Welcome to the Mindset Mashup. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow, TV host on Extra, master brand strategist, author on gratitude, and co-founder of Mindset Programs. And I dig deep to bring you closer to your best life in this lively, unfiltered, and heart-centered podcast. The Mindset Mashup is a compilation of real talks focused on epic mindset rituals and routines to help you get after your passion and potential. Tune in each Monday for inspirational guests who reveal their mindset must to help you optimize what matters most, self-love, impact, fulfillment. I'm so excited that you're here. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the Mindset Mashup. I am beyond like giddy, little girl, like excited for my next guest. My goodness, we just hung up actually. And our call went on for almost two hours. We did have a little temporary disconnection. Somehow we lost our server connection and then we re-engaged and I thought, okay, we'll probably just wrap up for like five more minutes. But it ended up being one of those conversations that went on for about another 40 minutes. So I decided to break this up into a two-part series because it's so good and I want to make sure that you guys get the full listen. And I am still just in this other universe like, you know how when you're just like, wow, that, that just happened. That's my life right now. That's how I feel. Let me give a proper intro because I dove in very deep and narrow like I always do. And I want to make sure that you guys are fully aware of the scope of this human and the magnitude of her mission and the imprint and legacy that she's already made on this planet. And I know is only getting started. At 10 years old, Sark. Susan Ariel Rainbow Kennedy announced to her mother that she was supposed to be a beacon of hope and write books for the world. She wrote her first book in her playhouse that summer, and Sark has been living, doing, and being transformation ever since. She's the best-selling author and artist of 17 books and writing her most succulent now, and she sold over 3 million copies. Her art programs, products, and services have sold around the world. She's an acclaimed teacher and mentor, and her wisdom has touched and transformed the lives of millions. Sark has been praised by people like Dr. Wayne Dyer, Julia Cameron, Louise Hay, and so many more. Dr. Maya Angelou wrote about Sark We in this world and this weary old world itself have a great gaping need for Sark. Let's call for more and more Sark to fill every child's book bag and each attache case. And it is that good. It is that special. Sark is a truly succulent, wild woman. And I am beyond honored that you guys get a glimpse into her heart, her soul, her mind. So without further ado, please enjoy my new friend, Miss Sark. I'm already laughing and smiling ear to ear because you are a dream guest. Oh my gosh, Sark, welcome to the Mindset Mashup. (laughs) Thank you for being a dream host, Michelle. Oh, already. It's just love at first non-site, FYI, for those listening. We can't see each other, but we can already feel each other. At least I'll speak for myself, and this is going to be a yummy, juicy one. 
(laughs) (laughs) So um, you and I were talking before I hit record and we were discussing like, gosh, where do we start? Because there's just so much goodness. I mean, you've been, you've been doing what you've been doing for over 30 years. And I thought, gosh, wouldn't it be fun to take it back to the original succulent wild woman that you posted about on Mother's Day, also known as your new national holiday, Other's Day. And I think that I would be remiss if we didn't speak about the marvelous Marjorie. I'd love to hear about her and how she influenced your life. Oh my goodness. My my wonderful mother who I named Marvelous Marjorie, who, who would tell you right away, I did not name myself that. My daughter named me that. Because she was from Minnesota and self-love hadn't fully landed there at that time. And so she wanted to make sure people knew that she didn't outrageously name herself (laughs) Mark. But then she really fell in love with it and she adopted it so fully that all her mail came addressed to Marvelous. And I would catch her on the phone saying, this is Marvelous, Marjorie. Um, And I'd like to ask a question. She, She completely adopted it. That is so awesome. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. Now, how was she your avatar for the succulent wild woman? Oh, and thank you. She would also tell you that she was the original succulent wild woman. Oh, she's the OG. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, she she was a renegade. I mean, she was a mother that let me wear pajamas to church. Oh, I love her already. She was a mother that wore a button that I gave her on her coat to church that said, please be brief. I have diarrhea. <laughs> no way. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's so awesome. Yeah. And I profiled her in my book, Succulent Wild Woman. And let's see what some of the highlights that I remember are. I asked her what she was most grateful for. And she said, elastic. <laughs> I'm with her. <laughs> yeah. And then I asked her what wisdom she wanted to share with the world. And she said, I just wish I hadn't resisted everything so much. Oh, that's beautiful. Isn't it? Yeah. I've taken it as a, a, a life mission mm. because I, I, I learned well from her how to resist. I have almost always an initial resistance to things. Yeah. Well, I love that you talk about that and this, and we're going to dive into one of your processes that you teach that is called the micro movement miracle method. And when I read about it today, cause I wasn't familiar with it, I thought, oh, that's me. Oh, that's me. I was like, oh, thank God that this is okay. <laughs> because <laughs> if someone were to follow my path of getting anything completed, it's so nonlinear. It almost seems impossible and kind of like I'm taking 10 steps backward, but that's when I recharge and I reset. So I love that you just said that. It's like, oh, the resistance is here to teach me. Sometimes just slow down. Yes. Yes. Or as you would say, take a nap. Don't do anything at all. Right. Or start tinier. This is what I... This is what I tell people. If you start tinier, you'll start more often. Mm, Exactly. Well, we're going to dive into that in a moment because it's so good. And and this is going to be a real lesson for everybody listening. You're going to share it with everybody you know, because we're going to cover not only your three core methods or areas of being, as you call them, core principles and teaching, but also this process of the micro-movement miracle method. Who doesn't want more of that in life? But um, we're also going to cover love, true love, and the power of love. But before we start, I have to let you know, I'm looking at my stack of your books on my bookshelf, tattered, highlighted. I'll post a photo about this later. And I've got 
I want to just name you my favorites. Succulent Wild Woman, no doubt, because my mother is also the OG. And when she bought How to Be an Artist for us, my sister and I, when we were young girls and we put it up on our bedroom wall because we shared a bedroom, we would stare up at that sark and marvel. I mean, it was like you were our very own angel. You were this fairy that was sprinkling this magical dust from your, what we considered to be this unicorn cottage in San Francisco that we only could just, you know, imagine. And we would go line by line and put into action everything that you had written on that poster as a family. Oh, oh, I love hearing that. It was so amazing. And I mean, and because no one wrote like that back then, you know, and still there's only one of you in the entire universe. But well, you might have met your match recently. And we're going to dive into that um, in a moment. But <laughs> it sounds like you met your twin flame other half. It's crazy. I love it. But so the, my favorite books and, you know, I love them all, but Succulent Wild Woman, of course, and Eat Mangoes Naked. For me, it was like, oh, it just really gave so much space for all the crap we don't love in life. Inspiration Sandwich, Come On, and Prosperity Pie. I wanted to make money very young and I hadn't really been modeled that. And you taught me how to become more prosperous minded. So I just want you to know that that is sitting here and it's with us and it's been with me for a long time. And I've let go of so many books over the years, but this is my little prize collection. So thank you for being in my life and being my magical mentor all these years. Oh, Michelle, thank you for being such a darling, dear heart. And it's so good for people to hear, you know, because I I wrote the books to be like, ripe fruit where you take a bite anywhere and get nourishment, you know, and even though they have subjects, you know, they're really life books for everyone. Yes. Well, I love where I read in one of your purpose statements. I mean, I I believe it's on your website, so anyone can see this, but I, I love that you wrote that your purpose is to be a transformer uplifter and laser beam of love. And she does that through her art, words, and spirit. And that's exactly what it is. But I love that you also refer to yourself as living in the marvelous, messy middle. We're going to dive into all of that. But first, I want to talk about the new love in your life. And then we're going to go into the core pillars and we're going to give everyone a magical mindset to get after their full potential and passion. But you've got something really special going on. And I want to unpack where that is now, how it started, which I've read about, but I want to hear it from you. And then how that was inspired by a great beloved of your life who passed about two and a half years ago, John. Yes. Oh, it's so wonderful. Yeah. You know, John, John and I were together four years and we wrote a fantastic book together, Succulent Wild Love. And then he suddenly got sick and died. And it was my worst, absolute worst fear. What if you ever really love someone and then they just die? And and then my second worst fear was, what if they need you to take care of them? And so I tease him because I was his primary caregiver and I took care of him for nine months and he died in my arms. Mm. But it was a privilege. It was an honor. And it was hard as hell. Of course, it was devastating. I mean, it was the worst thing that had ever, ever happened to me. And I didn't know it, but it was our last conversation. And I said to him, how can I possibly go on without you? And he just was so radiant. He was like, first of all, he was in, everyone in the hospital was in love with him. They'd be fighting over who got to go into the room. You know, he was mentoring everyone. And 
anyway, he's, he, he had to be propped up at that point, but he sat up and he leaned forward and he said, Susan, you get happy, happier than you've ever been. And when love comes again, you go full speed ahead. Mm, God, that's so beautiful. Isn't it so beautiful? Yes. So I, I intended to create another great love. I just didn't know how, when, or whether, you know, uh, it was like, I started, first of all, I was, I was wildly grieving. I was deeply grieving and wildly living. I got a lot of good support. I learned how to grieve differently um, with different brain science. So I was doing all kinds of wonderful new things. I was repatterning my brain. I was... Yeah, such as, I'd love to hear an example of some new things that you were doing with your brain and how you were basically optimizing your grieving. Yes, I said to my younger brother, who I'm very close to, Andrew, I said, Andrew, I just can't get into that description of a grieving widow. I said, it's, you know, I just, it's not me. And he said, why don't you be a greening window? <gasps> oh my and God. I said, and he just said it like channeling. So, I mean, he didn't have any idea what that meant to me, but I just said, that's it. I'm going to be a greening window. And at the celebration of John's life, I said, listen, I've been grieving and taking care of John and... I want new adventures. I want invitations. I want people to have me over. I want to do things. And so, of course, everyone there gave me an invitation. But then we put it on Facebook, and I forgot that that, that request was in there. So there, all of a sudden, I had 8,000 invitations. Oh, <laughs> and it was so beautiful and people were so beautiful and they all offered what they had. Like someone said, you know, our house isn't big, but we can make soup and we can go on a walk and you'll be so loved here, you know, and I just started accepting invitations. Wow. Now, did you accept invitations in the physical form with people that you didn't know from Facebook? Both. I, I, I accepted invitations from people I'd never met and I only knew them through Facebook and I went and met them. Wow. You had an intention. I did. I wanted to really experience more life than ever before. You know, I wanted to meet and love people and squeeze them. And, you know, just, I was, I really started living the life that people thought I had been living all along. Oh, that's powerful. But you weren't temporarily because we all do and then don't. And when you don't, you are always super real about it. But this was you being real and authentic and vulnerable to a new depth. Is that fair to say? Oh, yes. Really fair to say. Because one of the many, what I call gifts of death, which... Yes. I Oh, I read that and I was like, it stopped me in my tracks. Can you say that again? Because I interrupted you and I'm sorry. No, the gifts of death, which, which spells God. And I thought, okay, one of the gifts of death was that I had various shynesses and oh, I can't answer everyone. Otherwise, somebody will feel left out. Or, you know, if I go visit this person, you know, other readers of mine might say, well, why didn't she visit me? You know, or, and I realized that was all made up by me. Like nobody wanted me to live that way. Nobody wanted me measuring and in, in some kind of contraction or scarcity. And so I just started contacting people that I'd known through my work or through Facebook and, and said, you know, I'm coming to New York and I'd love to meet you. Let's go out to tea. And I just opened my heart and I opened myself and I just, I was having the best time ever <laughs> while, while also deeply grieving. 
And this was the changing of the, really of the neural pathways in my brain. Of saying yes and stepping out of your comfort zone or anything that you used to know within that, that realm of known and familiar, right? Yes, except I will always recommend that you take your comfort zone with you. Uh, oh, I love that. What do you mean by that? Well, so often we're, we're advised to go, you know, like so much growth is, you know, to go out of your comfort zone. And, you know, I understand that. And I think there's a lot of wisdom there. And I think also it can be made easier by taking things with you that help you to feel comfortable. So take, you know, any number of things like from essential oils to the type of um, connection you'd like to make or what time of day it is and what you want to be wearing and, you know, really take care to give yourself as many comforts as you can as you do new things. Mm, which, by the way, is what David did so graciously upon your first, uh, what do you call it? The something honeymoon, the spiritual oh, honeymoon? The spiritual honeymoon, yes. Okay, we're going to get there in a second because I just, I adore how he has been unfolding in this this love picture with you as well. But I love that idea of taking your comfort zone with you. That makes so much sense. It's like, well, of course, because everything in our comfort zone right now also wasn't once there. We befriended the unfamiliar and the new, and then it became in the comfort zone. So if you constantly allow that to go with you while you're adding new fun and exciting things, it's just so much more of a party. It's much more, much easier. Yes. And I would say that you can go farther. Yes. Oh, right. Because you've got the support of everything you've ever known and trusted that grew you to this moment to take you further faster. Exactly. Oh, I love that. Oh my yes. gosh, beautiful. Look what we invented. <laughs> we just did a whole program. By the way, speaking of programs, I, I have to mention how we connected. So Marla Mattinson, oh. uh, <laughs> I know, just even saying her name makes my heart so happy. But I didn't know Marla before she was a guest on my podcast. And <gasps> unlike you, I wasn't familiar with her teachings or her work, even though she lives like two miles from me. And it turns out we have all these things in common. And But when I had her on the show... It was love at first sight. And so now we've met many times and we invite each other to tea. <laughs> and there's a real friendship blooming there. And, uh, and so anyway, she's the one who said, you've got to have Sark on. And I was like, wait, Sark? The Sark? Anyway, so, um, and, 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 and then of course I showed her that I had this dream list of my top favorite people that have ever inspired me, meant something to me um, my whole life. Um, and, and it could be as recent as yesterday to, you know, 30 years ago. And you were on my list. So it was one of those goosebumpy, totally meant to be moments. And so we're full circle here. And I wanted everyone to hear that because not everyone is always aware of all the behind the scenes stuff. Oh, I love that, Michelle. I love you and I love Marla. Okay. So I love this whole thing of you're saying yes to really fun new things as you're grieving radically, but you're changing the way in which you grieve because you're doing things while you're allowing yourself to process. And then you do something that I know you refer to as dating the world in that same time frame. Is that what you meant by it? Yes. Okay. Yes. I started and I worked uh, with a love coach and a matchmaker for a time. And I, last year I dated some wonderful men and I knew that it wasn't, they weren't for me. Like they were lovely people, but they weren't for me. 
And so I decided the best way for me would be to let go of that and to stop searching and to begin dating the world. So I wrote a post called I'm Dating the World. And it was all about everything, you know, reading poetry upside down in my house and walking in cherry blossoms and, and being on a private ranch in Big Sur and I, just all these wonderful ways um, because I love being soulfully single. I think it's, it's a wonderful state. And so I thought that, you know, I'm going to just immerse myself in that. And so I wrote that post and it had got a huge response. And many people said, I want to date the world, or I'm dating the world, or I live like that too, or I'd like to live like that too. Um, and the day that that came out, I, you know, I have this inspiration phone line that I've had for over 25 years, where I leave a message and people can call me 24 hours a day and leave one in return. And in, in the doing of that, I feel like I've been privileged to hear the collective consciousness of people. Yeah, I listened today and I'll put the number up in the show notes for everyone to call. It is, it's, I, I almost left you a message, but I'm like, well, I'm going to be talking to her in an hour, <laughs> but I love the poem that's on there right now. I know. And how much we truly need one another, you know, and that this is the collective kaleidoscope and I just, yeah, it was, and then hearing your joy and your laughter and your service in that message is, is like enough to soothe someone's soul that needs it right then. Oh, yes. And I'm so glad. And as you know, I invite people to just listen and hang up or leave me at the end. And it's, um, you know, it's just one of my absolute favorite things. And so on May, May 21st of this year, I got a message from a man and and men do call. Wonderful men call. Not as many not as many as women, but you know, there's wonderful men. But this man was very different because he said, "I just read your post about you dating the world." He said, "I've called for a lot of years, and I just have to tell you that I just love you for this. I love you. This is the way I live too, and it sounds like we live on the same frequency." And and then he said, "I just want you to know, I just love you." And then he said. I love you. 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 Is this too much? I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And and then he said, "My name's David. Here's my phone number. Call or text if you ever want to." And I just thought, "Wow, this man is, you know, this." If this is either something completely not for me or this is something that is my a new life. I mean, I just felt it. You know, it was like, what, you know, what is this? I mean, he's he's a he could be a muse, a creative partner. I wasn't sure. Um, and so I, you know, I did some research, of course. You know, I thought I looked him up. Did he, so he left his last name? No, he didn't. But I he had said some things in the message that you know, I'm a pretty good detective. And, <laughs> and I saw him and I, I thought he was adorable. Yeah, and he's then, very handsome. He's got a light in his eyes that matches yours. Yes. And I didn't, I didn't even know if he was single. I didn't know if he was younger or older. I didn't know anything um, at that point. And, but I called and we talked for several hours. And I think that first call Wait, wait. So you call him. How does that opening first few sentences go? Because he, because I'm sure on some level he's expecting or hoping that you'll call. Probably didn't know if you would. 
And then you call. So what's that like in that moment? Cause he's just, you know, he said, I love you. I love you. I love you a hundred times. Yeah. How do you start like normal, <laughs> which I know you don't do normal, but you're like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and, and we weren't normal at all because basically we just started laughing. Oh, I love it. I mean, we laughed, mm. I think for five minutes at the start, oh. and there was no subject. We just laughed. It was like a laugh of recognition. It was a laugh of joy. It was a laugh of, wow, this is a playmate. Oh, how fun. Yeah. And so we proceeded to talk every day for four months. Oh my gosh. And we did not introduce video, but we did. I mean, he's a master communicator. He's the communicator that I've always dreamed of because I've been giving the kind of communication to the world that he does just like breathing. Wow. That's quite a statement there, Sark. I mean, you're the most masterful, wondrous communicator, I think, I know of. And for you to say that about him is just a whole new level. Oh, yeah. I mean, just a whole new level. And, and what is it about it that makes him such a masterful communicator? Great question. He's, um, he's pitch perfect with timing and with humor and with love and with attentiveness and tenderness and attunement um, and sharing joy and, um, you know, like presence. I would say he's just so present. And, ah, oh, I was just like, wow. I mean, I started receiving emails and letters in the mail and audio love notes. And he also started sharing with me that he had written four years before. He'd been single for six years and he'd written love letters in his journal to his future soulmate four years before. And then had her write letters to him in in his journal, which he read to me, and we both recognized these letters as mine. They were my same spellings. They were this, with colors. I mean, it was chilling. I mean, I had complete body chills. So it was very clear that something was really happening. And then I love this, Michelle. He told, I didn't write about this. He, I'm going to, but I haven't yet. So he told me that his, one of his best female friends had told him about me eight years before and had there's a female version of you and you have to meet her she's her name is sark and she has this inspiration phone line so he called it and left a message and <laughs> i you know there's many thousands of people that call so i don't necessarily hear every single i mean i hear most messages but i missed it i or i didn't i don't know i didn't get it and so we were so happy to and i'm so happy that he called again you know that the timing wouldn't have been right eight years ago. Right. You were with John. Yeah. I'm sure that that was part. Well, actually I wasn't with John yet, but I was. Yeah, you're about to. Yeah. I was not in that state. So um, we, we called her and talked to her to thank her. I wanted to thank her. Bringing me David, you know, and she lives in Portland. She's a wonderful artist. And I, what she said to me still just blows me away. She said, I said, thank you for bringing me my soulmate. But no, thank you for being so open and sharing your life so fully that I knew that he was a match for you. Oh my God. See right there. If anyone is wondering whether or not they should really share their truth here, it is. Yes, yes, yes. Say yes. Yes. Right? Yes. 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 
And then she even pulled up a picture. She even pulled up a photo from 20 years ago of me with her and her little tiny little adorable dog. Oh my gosh. Do you remember that? I do. Oh, I know. I was at the Bodhi tree. It was at the Bodhi tree bookstore. So it was just like as if this was always within you, but it needed to find its own divine right timing. Yes. Right. You've been carrying each other, I think, or it sounds like your whole life. Yes. Well, she claims that he, she says that he was, he'd been in, he's been in training for me for 20 years. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, well-spoken. What's, what's her name? Her name is Tushina. Tushina, we love you. Thank you. <laughs> and so this goes on for a few months where he's sending you, you know, love audio notes and letters in the mail, and you're having these ongoing yummy conversations. When do you meet for the first time in the physical? And what's that like? Yes, we and we met for the first time in the physical on September 2nd. Um, he has a, a lake home in Massachusetts. And so we settled on that date and um, he began questioning me about everything that I would want to have the best. We decided that our first date would be a honeymoon. We decided to skip the marriage and go straight to the honeymoon and as much as possible have an all honeymoon relationship. Now, let's, let's stop here and tell people that what I do with the marvelous messy middle, because it's very important. Um, I believe that we need to live with all of our feelings and we need, it's an opportunity. We all have the opportunity to blend and alchemize the terrible and the wonderful things into a brand new mixture that we can use for our own healing and for the healing of the world. So, yeah, this is not, um, and this work is not a spiritual bypass. It is not about just being positive. It's, it's a deeper excavation and commitment to when I say be with all the feelings I'm talking about the horror and the rage and the depression and you know this is not this is not easy stuff um and it also involves telling the micro truth because when David and I were talking for these four months we weren't only talking we were sharing vulnerabilities micro truths we were praying together we were meditating we were supporting each other's um you know, challenges we were uh, creating together. We were, I mean, there was, there's so much to it. So for us, the spiritual honeymoon contains all of that. So much bigger than a love bubble, so to speak. Super real 2018 Sark's life, like having lived fully and authentically and embracing all the colors of the rainbow and inventing ones that weren't there. Yes, and, and, and allowing the black and the brown and the gray and the, the colors that aren't normally seen. Right, right. Because we love all the pretty colors and, and it's the darker colors and the contrast that's there to teach us so much. Yes. Yes, I love how you write about that and I'll just jump right back to that. You know, you, you talk about, gosh, some of the, the, the terrible things that happened to you as a child. And even as recent as, you know, sort of like a midlife awakening and all the beautiful gifts that have come from those terrible, terrible things. Yes. Yes. I mean, the, the yeah, everything from the childhood incest and, you know, there was poverty, there was depression. There was, I didn't know what my purpose was. There was a midlife suicide attempt. There were financial problems. So I think you name it, I've done it. 
And I love how you talk about, you know, the terrible things that became the gifts and that you are able to transform, for example, the incest into understanding and forgiveness, the avoidance of you, you know, diving into your purpose became creating and then living your purpose. Yes. Experiences of poverty becoming learning to allow and create wealth. Your attempting suicide became finding out the magic beyond the pain that almost caused you to end your life and how your depression evolved into truly expressing your creativity. The death of your fiance, John, became a becoming, that your being was even more filled with limitless love than you could have ever imagined. And I'm paraphrasing off of, um, maybe it's on your website, but you're so open, my God. Um, the suicide attempt, I, I wasn't aware of. And I imagine you just bought into the inner critic words and thoughts, right? Yeah, it was worse. It was, it was as often happens with incest, there were flashbacks that started. It was, it was basically two weeks of nonstop flashbacks and I, ha I hadn't eaten or slept and I, I literally felt crazy. I mean, I couldn't, all I could think of was to stop it was to die. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. And thankfully I didn't know, you know, and this part, please, please feel free to laugh because it is funny. And I, I have no I have no further sad feelings about this. Okay. No shame. And, mm. But I, I, put, I put my head in the oven because I'd read about that, but I didn't, know <laughs> I, I didn't know you had to blow the pilot light out. So I just got really hot and started <laughs> with pizza. Oh, I, thought, I thought, is this death? This doesn't <laughs> seem right, you know. <laughs> I, so I, I re obviously realized it didn't work. And... <laughs> I thought that I'd better call the suicide prevention line and that where thank heavens for the suicide prevention line, because the person said to me, did you really want to die or did you just want the pain to end? Oh, what a great question. Isn't it? Yeah. And I said, oh, I just wanted to eat and sleep. You know, I wanted this movie to stop that was going on inside my head. And this person said, well, get some therapy. And I had opted out of the money system voluntarily for 10 years and lived on barter and trade. And so at that time, I, I didn't have money. And this person said, well, there's programs. And I found a wonderful program that would, it was a sliding scale. I think it was, my sliding scale was made it so it was $5 a week. And I took a BART over to a not a good area of the city and started seeing someone every week. And that turned into about 15 years of therapy. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Amazing, amazing healing. And, you know, I learned so much and I was able to help my family heal. I was able to forgive my brother and my parents and the next door neighbor who had molested him and write it in all my books because I wanted people who, who'd been molested to know that they were all right. There was nothing intrinsically, there was that, there was nothing wrong with them. So it was, it was amazing. Yeah. It's just such a beautiful example of what happens when we become empowered by what's happened for us or to us as a, what's happening for us. I don't know if you resonate with that. Oh, but, absolutely. Right? I, always tell people, I always tell people though, I don't recommend this route. <laughs> Right. There's other ways you can get to the transformation and the alchemy. You don't have to put your head in the oven, <laughs> but you didn't know how to end the pain. You just didn't know how to stop the suffering and you were, you were hungry. Um, yeah. So 
I appreciate that you said I could laugh. I would never have laughed and I still feel really uncomfortable about laughing, but I, I get that you want levity around it too, because at the end of the day, it's just called being, as you say, marvelously messy. Yeah. What you call it? The marvelous Mar- messy middle. middle. Yes. yes. There yeah. it is. I got it. It's a good it, thing I don't speak for a living. <laughs> oh, well, I think, and I think humor is incredibly healing. And yes. I yes. Think, you know, I would like a world where we cry as much as we laugh mm. and that tears are as acceptable as laughter. I love that you say that. And, you know, what is it about how when people become more, you know, I don't know, successful, making more of an impact, sort of being out there more, leading, um, serving, mentoring, all these beautiful things that you do. And how come there just seems to be this invisible, maybe not in your world, but I'd love to hear what you have to say, sort of known memo to everyone of you don't get to cry or break down or, or be vulnerable when it's the exact opposite. I think the more that we do, the more that we need to embrace the stuff that comes along with growing and stretching outside of our known comfort zone. Well, it's the greatest gift you can give every, anyone because if you're, if you're just showing the shiny parts and the parts that work well and you know all, all the things we all do to perform and to be, you know, to feel like we're okay and all, all of those things... It's a, it's a great disservice because then, I mean, this is, do you know Celeste? Do you know um, Celeste Barber? No. Okay. Well, you need to look her up right away. She's on Instagram. She's everywhere. But Celeste Barber um, does these, um, what would you call it? She, um, she mimics famous, she mimics models and she does like a real life version. So if you can imagine the most preposterous model photo and this tiny shirt, you know, holding up a, bottle, you know, looking like with, you know, sun-kissed lips and, you know, just all the airbrushing and all the stuff. And there's Celeste Barber and she's like, the bottle is bursting out over the top and her shirt doesn't fit right. And, you know, like the, <laughs> the, the, real, the real stuff. Anyway, I say this because she and other people in yourself and other people working to be real, not just working to be real, but letting themselves be real in the view of the public are changing everything. I agree. And in real time, this is what everybody wants. We used to, I think as a society, and I'll speak for myself, I could be more real about things, the little bit of time in between the event, right? Because there wasn't as much at stake or there wasn't anything on the line or it was so long ago. And then we would see a lot of other sort of high profile thought leaders, actors, musicians, whatever, iconic figures that we've admired, they would speak about it later. But now what I'm seeing and that certainly what I gravitate toward and only what I gravitate toward these days is I want to hear the messiness in real time. Yeah. Right? Because that's what gives me the courage to make that tiny micro movement step forward into my dreams. I mean, it's like, okay, if Sark can be scared and if Sark can put her head in the oven and then go on to find the greatest love of her life twice, I can do it. <laughs> you know? Yes, yes, exactly. And if we can all share, like sometimes I'm broken, sometimes I'm lost, sometimes I'm floundering. Sometimes I'm terrified. I mean, I had a meeting today where I melted down about some, some something involving products, and you know what? I, I suddenly was like, "Well, well, how's that going to work?" And then I said, "I'm sorry. I'm just really crabby, and I'm getting overwhelmed." And I mean, this is right in the middle of a meeting. You know, <laughs> you're, you know you're not supposed to do that. You know, you're, and and I don't ever want to live in a world where I can't do that. Right. 
I know the world of quote appropriate is not my world. And my mother raised me that way. I, I really do believe that the two of you were like, you're not the same age. She's older. However, she, you know, it's that same principle. It's like, she says, who says it's not appropriate. So, but you know, that was, that's cool now, a little cooler now, but it wasn't 40 years ago. Oh no. <laughs> she was so rogue. She was such a wonderful rebel. I'm so grateful for her because she brought me you. But yes, I agree. It's like, we need to see it real and messy and wild and embrace all of it. Yeah, no, but, and, and I'll just add one more line, which is learn to share it in real time. I really like that you brought that forward. Well, that's what you do. And then you're even like, kind of like what David said in the message. I love you. I love you. I love you. Is this too much? I love you. I love you. <laughs> you know, and on your magic blog, uh, which is on your website, and we'll give everyone all your information at the end. But, you know, you talk about that in one of your blog entries and it was recent right after you met him and you were like, gosh, should I be sharing this much with you guys this soon? What if it doesn't last? And it's like, wait, this is the part that we all want to hear. Yes, it's yes. those wondrous beginnings. How do you start? People want to know how did it happen? What were the what was the first hour like? Was it easy? Was it perfect? And then you share, no, it wasn't. It was totally uncomfortable. And even in this spiritual honeymoon, I wanted to go home in moments, right? Two days in, you're like, shit, what have I done? I know, I know. And then and then thanks to all the uh, foundational trust we built, he, he came right in and said, are you in your room looking up plane flights? <gasps> Pretty much. Oh, and then wow. he had this brilliant idea to go to our respective bedrooms and talk on the phone about it. Oh, because that's what you guys knew. And that's where you had built your connection. Yes. And we both missed that person on the phone. I thought, oh. Who is this guy? Right. Because you guys had been talking on the phone for what, four months? Yeah, four every months. Every single day. Months, every single day for hours. How did you get any work done? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> and then there were all those orgasms, Michelle. So On the phone? Oh, yeah. Oh, girl, look at <laughs> you. You are awesome. You really are the succulent wild woman. I love it. Well, you definitely wrote the book, Succulent Wild Love. That's awesome. Oh, man, juicy detail. But I love too how you mentioned that when you got to his house and before you got there, he had, you know, you talked earlier about bringing, you know, your comfort zone with you. And that's exactly what he set up for you. And I don't know whose idea it was. And it's sort of irrelevant. Oh, of course. Well, there, there we go. Give him all that credit. Um, but he had all of your favorite foods and, and favorite stuff, right? So that you would feel like you were going to be at home because let's be clear. It wasn't just a hangout. You were moving in with him for two weeks from the moment that you actually met in the physical. I know. I know. <laughs> it, 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 Michelle, it did not completely dawn on me that that was, ha I mean, I knew it, but some, I don't know, somehow on the flight, it started sinking in. And, and I was like, oh, I'm going to be, I'm an introvert, highly sensitive, who's going to be living with this man that I have not yet met. Right. And thankfully, there were angels on the plane, this wonderful couple, Bob and Sandy, who'd been married 56 years, and they sat next to me. And I, of course, revealed everything. And Sandy could not stop hugging me and crying. And she almost broke the TSA rules to come down the escalator to see us meet for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> of course, because by now they're invested. I mean, a flight from San Francisco to where were you headed? Boston? Boston, yeah, five hours. Five you hours talk, of hearing the story. Yeah. 
<laughs> and it sounds like they were equally invested. I saw that you posted a photo of the three of you, a selfie at the end of that flight or something where they were like, go Sark. I know, right? Yeah, on the flight. And then of course I asked their permission and I also sent them the photo of he and I meeting for the first time. They were one of the first people to get it because you know, they had helped me so much. And you know, when we first met, it was just incredible. I mean, I couldn't, it was just everything and more that I would have ever wanted. And it wasn't until we got to his house and the next day, and he got triggered by some business things and he became withdrawn and distant. And I thought, oh my God, who is this guy? And then I got triggered by his, I became insecure. And then I had, my own issues were coming up and all I could think of was get out, you know, just go back home. Right. You don't need this. Yeah, I don't need this. And so, you know, thankfully, like I said, he suggested we get on the phone and talk and we worked it all out. And that was another thing, you know, I called it a trans, I call it a transformational cauldron. Those of course are just as much a part of a great love as anything else. And we try to skip those. Like we, we just think, Oh, let's just get along. No, it's about how you repair after you don't get along. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And by the way, you, or you mentioned earlier that, you know, your way of being is no spiritual bypass because that never works and it always comes back. And it's, it's, I think it's compounded if years have gone by, but that transformation cauldron really allows for what we are talking about for us to be real. And you don't bypass the stuff that comes up, you know, and then you don't call yourself crazy when you're like, did I just imagine that he withdrew? Did I just imagine an energy shift? Did I just imagine that he's not touching me or talking to me the same way that that we have been for four months. No, all that's happening. It's all real. And it's called being human. We're figuring this out. So how did you, how did you guys end up coming up with a way in which you would manage the, the rest of your spiritual honeymoon? Yeah. Well, we realized that both of us needed alone time. I mean, I'm someone, I remember when I first met John, he said, I promise to see you as self-lovingly separate with beautiful boundaries. Oh, I love that. So we wrote about that in our book and how to do that, how to love someone deeply and intimately and have your own space and time. And I I think most people don't know how to do it and they don't give it to themselves. So they get overwhelmed and crowded. And then that's when they start finding reasons to get out. Right. And then they don't talk about it. No, they don't talk about it. And they pretend it's okay. And they make small concessions and they compromise and they settle and they, they just make do and bypass. Yeah. Yeah. Bypass. Exactly. So yeah, we created the most marvelous schedule ever. We, we write in the mornings and then in general, we don't see each other till lunch and we're so excited to see each other at lunch. And then we go on a hike somewhere in nature and then come back and we would read our writing to each other. In this case, it was a two week vacation. So I didn't have work that was, that was in the midst of things, but we would read our writing and we would go take a hot tub or go on a, go canoeing. We'd cook a meal together. We might watch something. We might make love. Then it was time to go to bed and, and there would be the wonderful evening with oneself the rest of the evening. Mm. Now, do you guys sleep in the same bed? No, I've never slept well in beds with people. I, I do a lot of dreaming and a lot of channeling. I, I receive a lot of um, information and dreams. And so I like snuggling, cuddling, spending time in bed. But when it comes time to sleep, I, I enjoy sleeping with my marvelous self. It sounds like such a modern, 
you know, 21st century relationship of like, how do we get all of our needs met, meet each other's needs, but yet still have these beautiful independent lives at, you know, with those boundaries that John talked about. Yes, yes, because, yeah, I mean, and when I describe it to people, and we describe this in great detail in the book, but when I describe it to people, they say, that's what I've always wanted. I just didn't think I could have it. Well, it's like, well, do it. <laughs> even even if it's that you you have two beds in one room, for some that might be enough, right? Some might not have a whole separate bedroom. Right, right. And not even, exactly. And, and please, anything I ever say, you know, adjust it to fit you, you know. I, <laughs> yeah. Like some people want to be just smushed up together in that same bed and let that be marvelous, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And some get surprised by it. My mother was 60 years old when she invited someone dangerous to tea (gasps) and, uh, and then they were married within a year. But, um, she, first of all, lived in the central coast, like Pismo beach or Royal Grandy area was never going to move to LA, which is where he had a house and lived and had his family. Number two, she was never going to get married. Number three, she was certainly never going to share her bed with another man. She did that for almost 30 years with my dad. She was, done. You know, they're friends, but she was done with that. And now it's like 10 years later, these two, their legs and their arms are intertwined. They can't, they can't, (laughs) they can't even be apart. And, uh, and it's, it's so wild because I'm like, who is this version of my mother? I love it. I mean, I embrace it completely because it just goes to show that, you know, people really can be radically inspired to change, but it, it works. And let us all be open to that. Yes. Right. And not putting barriers on, well, it's too late or I'm too old or, well, I had great love. And so who am I to think that I can get it again? That's what I love about this is that you, you have an unlimited mindset. It's an unlimited magical mindset is really what it is. (laughs) It's beautiful. Okay. So, and then I love this photo that you posted on Instagram, or maybe it was in your, in your magic blog where you're going up or down the stairs of David's house and you see that he's posted all these signs. And you remember how earlier you were mentioning when you were dating the world, you did really fun, new, cool things like, for example, reading poetry upside down. And then I look at this sign and I'm like, he's got these signs upside down for when he's descending the stairs and then upside right for when he's ascending the stairs. And they say things like in bold, beautiful colors and exclamation marks, it says, I love all my feelings. (laughs) All these really cool signs. I love my life. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God, he is so your twin flame soulmate. Oh, oh, it's, it's, oh, it's beyond. It's, it, as I say to my friends, it's fantasy beyond. Mm. Okay. So take us from the first trip, which is September 2nd through this trip. And and if what I read on Insta, um, I think it was like a day ago, you just met his family. Is that right? Yes. Oh my gosh. And what was that like? It was heaven. I mean, it it really couldn't have possibly been better. Um, They live in Vermont and we went there and I spent two nights and it was a love festival. We all fell in love with each other. And they just couldn't get over how perfect I am for their son and how much they love me. And I, I feel like I got a whole new family. And he has two brothers and he's got two grown kids and his brothers have wonderful wives and girlfriends. And his mother said, well, you're in the family now. That's what we do. We gather people in. And <laughs> now you have us. And I said, so I was trying to be really gentle. And I said, well, you know, I'd love to communicate with you separately, but of course I have no expectations. 
And she paused and said, well, I do. <laughs> she said, I expect that, that we love each other and we're going to be communicating. And I just, oh. Oh, my gosh. It's like this is your family. It's your soul family. I know. I know. You give me such great hope because I will tell you, I've been single for about a year. I wasn't um, married, but I thought we were getting married and I had never dove all in and been emotionally all in uh, with anyone. And, and for all the right reasons, we're no longer together. And I'm grateful for every moment we were. And I'm also extremely grateful that we're not, but I have been dating the world. So I've been saying yes to all kinds of things, including launching this podcast and all the, the other stuff that I'm up to and that lights my soul on fire. And I'm just beginning to feel like what you said, like, you know, it's like when it starts to feel right and you just start to feel a little bit more ready and just stay open, you know? And so I love how you've brought this full circle. And there's so many listeners that are also looking for that great love. Now for the listeners that are in relationships, but maybe they've hit a plateau, what can you recommend based on your vast knowledge of magical love. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, I really do recommend the book that John and I wrote. It, we married our core teachings together. He brought three into my life and I brought three into his and we married them into this book. And it's the relationship book I wish I'd had all along. And it's, it's for relationships of all kinds and it's truly transformational. And I, I also put 187 pieces of original art into it. Um, but it's written both from John's perspective, my perspective, and then a third shared voice. And it's, it's gorgeous, this book, and it's available digital and, um, you know, a hard copy. So, and you're talking about succulent wild love. Yes. Six powerful habits for feeling more love more often. Oh my God. I'm so buying that today that, and we'll make sure that we put that link up on the show notes because there's the answer right there. And, um, okay. So that is on our to-do list. Y'all you listening? <laughs> okay. Well, this is just beautiful. And we will clearly be waiting with bated breath just to, um, continue to enjoy the unfoldment of this beautiful love story. Oh, and I'm, and, and I'm happy, you know, I wrote that thank I thanked everyone for welcoming the when I share about the hard and scary parts too because I will always do that I mean I I maintain I mean that's 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 a commitment I've had from the beginning I mean I've written about the real stuff the whole time Yes. Well, this is why I love you so much. And I'm so excited about your newest memoir that uh, I don't know when that's coming out. Maybe you do know, but I believe the title and you can correct me if, well, you could tell me the title, but I have Living Wonderful with two L's, The Surprising Gifts of Terrible Things and How to Alchemize It All. Yes. I'm like, oh, yes. yes. The surprising gifts. I always say, you know, was it good or was it growth? right? Not the good and the bad. It's like the good of the growth. Um, and, and I love that you talk about, you know, the God in all of that. Oh, so good. So is that still the, the working title or yes, is that the yes, official title? The play title. Okay. I'm super excited about that. <laughs> okay. Well, now we must move forward to your three core teachings and we'll do the Cliff Notes version because I want everyone to dive into your programs. Um, there's just so much available for them to work with you. Um, there's various platforms uh, and I'll let you share about that at the end, but I want to dive into these core teachings and then your process and your method um, and how we can really 
really help people right now listening, elevate their lives with tangible takeaways because your core teachings were like, yes, of course, this just makes so much sense. We don't need another book, really. We don't even need another you know, self-help program. We don't even really need another conversation. We just need to go to our wise self first. And that's the first core teaching. Can you share on that? Oh, yes, yes. This is the part of you, I call it the inner wise self. And it's the part of you that's the unconditionally loving part of you. We all have it. Everyone knows they have it. They have different names for it. Holy Spirit, um, pure positive energy, um, intuition. Um, this is the part of you that's been with you your whole life, will be with you your whole life and beyond. And most people know they have it, but most people don't ask this part every day about everything. So they're not using, and the inner wise self will wait until asked. And so I always tell people, ask. I have three ways. Ask, ask again, ask differently. No, just in case it wasn't clear. Yes, because sometimes inner wise self can be cryptic. It, it can come across. So if you didn't understand the answer, ask again. And if you still don't understand, ask differently. So I want everyone to know that all of the Sark books have been written by my inner wise self. Oh, of course. And what's an example of asking asking again and asking differently? Well, someone just told me the other day, I mean, you, you know, anything that you want, your inner wise self is ready to help with and mentor you in doing, but we get so scared to ask. So, you know, often we don't ask for things outside of our, let's just say it, comfort zone. You know, we, we say, oh, I could never ask I could never ask Sark to be on my program or, <laughs> and it's funny, whenever I do this, I, I always get, you know, hundreds of, okay, I'm asking you now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big believer in asking. And then I like to visualize the yes. Cause I'm like, it's so fun to say yes. It's my favorite word. Yes. is so easy to say, try it, try it with me now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Make little well, signs and say yes and yes. post them all over your house. We did that. We posted them all over our hallway and we also got to color on the walls. Mm. My mother was magical and still continues to be the most Oh my magical. gosh. What is her name? Sherry. Oh, Sherry, please send my love to Sherry. I will. Oh my gosh. She's going to love that. She got a shout out. <laughs> well, I, wouldn't, I probably would not. Well, I wouldn't have known about you younger. I'm sure I would have ultimately come across you because it's just my world. But yeah, no, she's, she's awesome. And by the way, speaking of the messy sort of, you know, God parts of a new relationship or anything new, she went through all of that too in her relationship, she, you know, especially, so I want everyone listening to know, and I need to tell myself this, my inner wise self is speaking. I'm downloading her now. It's like, just because it's uncomfortable or scary doesn't mean you have to stop and get a flight home. Right. Right. You can sit with that and you can be honest. And as you mentioned earlier, do some micro truth telling about that and trust yourself to be heard from a safe place. Yes. And yes. And have someone that can meet you there. And if they can't meet you, that you do your own work. As you know, I, I teach inner feelings care, but let's finish with inner wise. Okay. Self. So, yes. You know, I teach people to connect with their inner wise self by writing an inner wise self love note. And I've been doing this for over a decade now and everyone knows how to do this, but they don't necessarily ever do it. You know, like they, and so I love leading people in this because as soon as they hear a note, and I believe you have one of the notes in my inner wise self, the core teachings that I sent you, there's an example of two different notes. But as soon as they feel, as soon as this note comes out of their pen onto paper, I mean, people just can't believe what's in there. 
like they they're just astounded they're like and then often people say well that's probably it that's probably all that's in there it's so beautiful and i say no that's just the start like your inner wise self is going to write you poetry and songs and help you get a car and a job and a new lover and how do you get rid of your debt and all the all the questions is it time to take a nap is it time for a snack should I call this person back? What should I do about that doctor appointment? All of the things of life, your inner wise self is uniquely qualified. It loves you unconditionally, is watching everything that you do, and is just waiting for you to ask for help. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard today, please share it with a friend and you can head on over to iTunes to leave me a review. That would be so appreciated. And of course, if you'd like to reach me directly with any comments, questions, or feedback, you can do so at themindsetmashup.com. Thanks again for listening and I look forward to hearing from you. 